Here's to good friends. Tonight is kind of special. The beer we'll pour must say something more somehow. Tonight, tonight, let it be low and brow. Hello. Hello, Marilyn. How are you? I'm fine, Dan. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Closing my tabs. You sent uh, lots of topics for today. This is exciting. Well, I had I had some, and I thought, mm. you know, let's let's uh, roll out, roll out some topics. Bring out the topics. Bring Keep them the fire out. alive. Woo. Yes. 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 We can jump in anywhere. I have not. I am not caught up on Jessica. Jones. Well, I'm I am still only in the first season of it, so I don't so know if I. okay. Um, so I I've been enjoying this show. Do you like this show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she's terrific. I I never read the comic, which is this is a Brian Michael Bendis comic, B&B. isn't it? Yeah, and um, they and, wanted to have an imprint for slightly more grown up things, right? So they came up with what was it called? Al- alias? Uh yeah, no. I th- a- alias, alias investigation. Her or? title. What's the Jessica Jones? I'm sorry, I derailed you. But typing. yeah, but they can. Uh, they wanted to do some stuff where they could, you know, stretch out a little bit and um, try some some more grown up things. Yeah, and I and so I really like this. I've never, you know, and I and I guess this show has been out for years now. At least, oh yeah, it was Alias. You're correct. That um, would be the book I'm thinking of. That's, yeah, that's the name of her series, right? Yes, and you know what? There's something- Marvel Max. Marvel Max, Max imprint. That's right. Max, especially in R-rated comic book content. Launched in 2001 after Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of good stuff in there. Yeah, and I I was totally unfamiliar with this, and I'd heard some good things. I knew her mostly from other appearances in, especially like crossover events. She has a kind, kind, well, I don't say how important, but like in, I want to say House of M, she's involved. She keeps popping up and never having read Alias. That is what it's called, right? Alias. Yes. Yeah, uh, I wasn't familiar, but I, she's such an interesting character in that in that show. She really is, and I'm enjoying it. I knew that it was going to be good, and I'd put off watching it until you know I knew that I could. Because fo- what I like to do is I like to like watch an episode a night of something, and I like mm-hmm. to make sure that I've got a few weeks set up so that you know, like I don't want to watch something that just has the one season. Yeah, uh, because yeah, yeah. then you're like you want more. So uh, this I think, one, I think you're not unusual there. I yeah. mean, in this in this platinum age of too much TV, it's not unusual for people to want to sit on something for a while and wait to know. Like then you can kind of hear from your friends, like, "Oh, that first season is really good. You should right. check it out." Yeah, and I I, I could have sworn you recommended this to me. Um, I mean, I think I read. I've got the trade of Alias, and I know I at least started it. Um, and I like so many uh, of the comics uh, that I like. I just I love the way it looked. And I liked, but I just love like the what's her name, Kristen. What's her name? What's the name of the actress? Kristen Scott. Is that possible? Oh yeah, um, it is Kristen Ritter. Kristen Ritter. I I love her. Um, I just think she's so, she's so perfect for that role. She was in Breaking Bad, wasn't she? She's been, she was like she was the in, girlfriend, uh, uh, Jesse's girlfriend in Breaking Bad. Isn't that? Am I or am I confusing her with? Yeah, that's her. Yep, that was her. Yeah, she was in Don't Trust the Bee in uh, such and such uh, room, apartment 23. <laughs> Don't yeah. trust the, the B word in apartment 23. She was, I think she was on a few episodes of Gilmore Girls, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I yeah, like yeah, her totes. as an actress. And I, uh, without having seen the co- read the comic, I, I feel like she's perfect for it, the role. Yeah, totally. And yeah, uh, totally. I, so, anyway, this is one of, and it, what's cool about this, we're not, not no spoilers. 
but she exists in the same Marvel universe, apparently, that the current MCU, which is Marvel Cinematic Universe, she exists in, in that universe, as best as I can tell, because in the in the show, they make references to the Avengers and other things like that having happened. Like, mm-hmm. if you remember the first uh, or maybe second Avengers movie, when big parts of New York are uh, affected, let's yeah, say. Yeah, what, what do they call it? The, the event or whatever yeah, they call it? Yeah, right. Yeah, um, I mean, that, that's also where uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starts, is they're kind of they're going out and trying to find, you know, new superhero types um, in the uh, in the um, subsequent chaos after, you know, the Chitauri battle. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not a show that I've watched. Do you feel that I should be watching that? Should I have watched that first? No, 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 no. I mean... I, I don't exactly understand how all this. I'm reading the page here. Yeah, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I guess it fits in. It definitely fits in, obviously, with the other Netflix shows. What do you got? You got um, Luke Daredevil, Cage, Luke Cage, Daredevil, um, Iron, Iron Fist. Fist, and Defenders is all of them together, right? Right. In right. one. And so my understanding from a friend of mine who's watched all of them, he told me start with Jessica Jones, then watch Luke Cage, then watch Iron Fist. He actually said to watch Daredevil first. I think. And then he yeah. then he said you can watch Defenders. I like the first season of Daredevil a lot. Yeah, I tried to watch The Flash, which mm-hmm. I think you and other people recommended, and and um, I didn't love it. But I've been holding Did you off start at the beginning, or like yeah, right now? no, it was at the beginning. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's kind of silly. It's a kids show, but but it was a it was a big hit in our house for a while. But and then I, it got kind of weird, and now it's it's the last time we checked in, it was getting better again, like a lot of these shows. Did it with yeah. that's the problem with Agents of Shield is like it's it's kind of a wackadoo show and it goes through weird times, but it's got Colson. I love Colson. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was really good, and uh I was glad that well, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I maybe I should watch that eventually. Yeah, yeah. Well what what made you think of uh, Jessica Jones? Other than I've been watching it every night, um, I, you know, I, I tweeted this, but I feel like, like I'm perfectly okay setting aside uh, any kind of disbelief and saying, sure, we have superpowered people. That's fine. Like, I'm on board. You know me. I'm mm-hmm, on board sure. with that. Yeah, but I mean, you, for, for any kind of fantastical thing, there has to be a buy-in. Right. Know, and so, so here's, the, here's the thing. She and this is not giving anything away. You find this all out in the first episode. I mean, you can describe her powers. I don't think that's she. The the main power that she seems to have, the primary power, is uh, enhanced. What I'll call enhanced strength or super super strength. Mm -hmm. Luke Cage, but she's she's not like she's not like Superman, right? She has, and and the way they reveal it is kind of cool because it's like, okay, she just jumped up on that balcony. Like, how did she do that? (laughs) Right, but she can. It isn't. It isn't like she can like make time go backwards or something. No, super strong. She's just super strong, and uh, and how strong? I would say stronger than the strongest regular human being could hope to be. She seems to be stronger than that. I I often wonder how do superheroes. Uh, people with enhanced strength and things like that work out. They addressed that in The Incredibles a little bit. When Mister Incredible wanted to start to get back into shape, he had to go to like, const- like pulling the trains, right? Pulling stuff. trains and going to construction sites and throwing throwing things around. You know, how do you build muscle if everything you lift is light? And so, right. I actually I, I want to. And this is a tangent, but this is some, this is a kind this is of going to become about weightlifting. No, but uh, <laughs> what it what occurs to me is like, and I often thought about this with Superman is like, wouldn't he be like completely 
emaciated because like if all you did if if nothing you did oh. required any effort at all like like right you know like i put my mm-hmm. backpack on my back like i can feel that on there you know it's not like mm-hmm. it's super heavy it's not like i'm crushed beneath it but it i feel the weight to it but like wouldn't being super strong be equivalent to like not exercising at all because like nothing oh. you do meets with any resistance at all that's like, interesting yeah i don't know but anyway let's not let's not worry about that issue because that's a global issue across all comics but what i will say is this i feel like if you have enhanced strength that you have to have some kind of enhanced durability as well and luke cage would be an example of this luke cage mm-hmm. has both enhanced strength and an enhanced durability so if you were to i don't know if I, they haven't explored it's that. almost like in D. i mean this is not exactly it but it's almost like you have strength but you also have constitution constitution you need to have an increased constitution in order to have so she's strong enough in the show to she says to stop a moving car so if a car is moving she could stop the car from moving with her strength but if she didn't have enhanced durability as well then if she was reaching down to to stop the car her hands for example would be grotesquely torn up by the front of the car because it's yeah. just regular skin you see but that doesn't that's not the case she can she can do these kinds of things so in the comics apparently and this is why i have to start reading them because apparently this is different in the comics it's explained that she does have enhanced durability in the comics but in the tv show she seems to be able to be hurt just as much as, as you and I could be hurt. Is it a Wolverine type or a Spider-Man thing where she just, she heals, heals quickly in the comics. She, she apparently does have slightly enhanced healing. Maybe, maybe along the lines of Spider-Man where, you know, Spider-Man can, can take a hor- horrific beating and then mm-hmm. within a short period of time, hours or, or days, he's back to him normal self. So, but I wish it would address that. This is the kind of thing that like people like me, like, I love the show. I'm enjoying it. I just wish it would sort of address that a little, a little bit. Yeah, you're right. No, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's. Um, <laughs> this is probably kind of silly to talk about, but I mean, you take somebody like Superman, right? And like, well, I mean, it kind of makes sense because he is, he is super tough, super durable. Right. Bullets bounce off him, etc. On the other end of the continuum, you got Steve Austin. We were like, okay, let me understand this. Right. He has, he has one bionic arm right. and he can lift an engine block with right. it. Right. How? Well, wouldn't that tear his arm off? It would off? tear the arm off. Yeah. And remember, it's not, Will, like, it's not like he's got an Iron Man suit or something. No. And Will Smith in, um, in iRobot, spoiler alert, he has a robotic arm. Okay. I don't think that ruins the movie. Uh, you find out pretty quickly that he has that. But it shows him like lifting stuff and doing stuff. Like, well, the arm is still attached to the rest of your body. Right. Just right. like it, it's not like you have crushing power in the hand and you could like, oh, watch me crush this chunk of metal or scrap. I'm crushing a rock. I'm making a diamond like you could do that. But like as soon as you go to lift something, that's the re- the supportive structure of your whole body would need to be able to to support that. Right. So that's right. why I have a problem with the robot arm. Mm. Mm, see, I'm gonna have to think about this. I, I don't know. I mean, I think they probably hand wave it away with the like. Well, she has generalized toughness. Yeah, but I want it addressed. I want it addressed. Okay, more. I, I think it's entirely reasonable to want that addressed. But in in the case of something like Wolverine, it kind of makes sense because at least in the retcon, he's got the adamantium. Yeah, and and the thing he weighs what does he weigh like uh, like 300 pounds yeah. or something. Even though he's like five two, he weighs 300 pounds because <laughs> right. of all the adamantium. Metal weighs. We um. Yeah, yeah. We watched. Um, I wasn't sure if this was okay. We did a lot of fast fast forwarding, but we watched um, Terminator 
too. Yes, I approve. It's such a good movie. It's great. It's still great. And she, Daddy, Daddy, are you crying because the robot's dying? And I was like, yes, I'm crying because the robot's dying. It's very, very sad. <laughs> um, I can't watch the ending with, my, oh with my other God, people. Oh, my God, it's around. so sad. He can't do it himself. Ugh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, he can't. He can't. No. It's just it's, – it's so pathetic what makes me cry in life. It's really, really terrible. Um, but like in that case, that was one of the first times I ever remember seeing – that I remember seeing a certain kind of very effective fight scene, which is it isn't just two obviously normal sized people having a fight, but it's the kind of thing where like when they miss, they punch through a wall. Right. That's, that's the, the weight of their blows that they're throwing is, is it, is is it would go through a wall. Yeah. That you're talking about the, I'm guessing the first scene where they meet up at the mall, right? Where he's walking in with the the, uh, roses and actually there's a little sawed off shotgun in there waiting to surprise T2. Yeah. Great movie. God would be if you want to live. I went so to good. a uh, when I was in in San Francisco, and our, our friend of the show uh, took me on that little tour. There was there was some Terminator Two stuff in there. It was pretty cool. Oh, at ILM, yeah, yeah, that's so fun. It's such a nerd out thing. Yeah, yeah. I I um I started to watch the. I don't want to make this sad, but I started to watch Iron Fist, and I heard so much about how it wasn't good that I kind of went in loaded for bear about how oh, it wasn't yeah, really good. Yeah. But like, I don't know, like that one in particular. I love the comic book um, so much. The Ed Brubaker, and I think it's Ed Brubaker, and then Matt Fraction and David Aha, um, Iron Fist. Did you ever read that? Never read it. So it's, uh, I mean, I think, it, I think it was Ed Brubaker, but somebody really good started it. And then Matt Fraction and David Aha took it over. So if you like Hawkeye, I mean, it's, right. it's really, really good. And it's got a lot of that, like, you know, the fruity, um, mystical kind of stuff and the dragon and how you get the iron fist, but in, like on all the generations of iron fist, ah, it's so effective. And then they got this like dweeby guy who spends like three episodes trying to prove he's who he is. Uh-huh. Like, mm, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's strange. I mean, it's. I mean, it seems like such a crapshoot to make any of these things, but it, when they get the casting right, when they get all the pieces right, um, it's just so good. Another example from Net- – we're always talking about Netflix. Um, a series of unfortunate events is back. Yes, the- my, my son found it and has – without anyone else telling anyone else in the family, has already watched like half of them. It's so, so good. Better than the first season even? Um, I won't say that according to my daughter who is being unusually great about not spoiling too much for me because she's read all the books. She's like, well, this is good. What, what is the, she came up with some term. She said, these are staple stories. And I was like, what is, what is that? And I got to know if this is a term. Like she said, well, this is just like, she's like, you know how like on, on game of, or she's like, she's somewhat, she's familiar with game of Thrones. She's never seen it. So, you know, there's episodes where stuff just happens, you know, for the story, but not that much really happens. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I totally know. She's like, yeah, these are really good, but the next season's going to be very good because we learned so much more about what VFD actually is. Oh yeah. And um, oh, I love it so much. I love the casting. I love the characters. I love the casting of like seeing familiar faces, but I also love the unfamiliar faces that are just so perfect. Like, how far in are you? Uh, well, I've read all the books, so I'm. I have. But I mean, like, where are you with the Netflix series? Uh, just the first season. Oh, it's so so great. And um, Putty, David Putty, is so good as Lemony Snicket. He's so great. But they get into so, and, and you know what, Neil Patrick Harris, man. Is there anything that guy can't do? He's so good. <laughs> oh my god! 
he was Hedwig. Like he's done it all. He's great. He's, he's done, and he's yeah, having um, so much fun. So much fun doing this role. We're just coming through the arc where Count Olaf is with the lady from the Airsats Elevator, right? The blonde lady, yep. who's like the the rich lady. She she had a medium, small to medium sized role in uh, one of my all time favorite movies, Hot Fuzz, and she's so just chewing the scenery in this. She's so good. I love the guy. I love the librarian. She says that's an addition from the books that that wasn't in the books. That the librarian and the guy from the Joss uh, Whedon shows, uh, Nathan Fillion, that they were not in the books. Oh, I'll look for that. that. Uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but it gets real good. It's it's. I we were uh, we took a little uh, hike this weekend. and We were talking about the show and like I always wonder like how much when you go into one of these like how much do you have planned out like supposedly. J.K. Rowling had like a whole lot of ideas. Right about up, the she said it all came came into her brain all at one time, miraculously. But like all those little twists, the little twists, the little turns, then the big twists and the big turns. Like you know, you always wonder like how much is in place. And I feel like I feel like with I haven't I have not read series of unfortunate events, but it just feels like from watching the wonderful TV show that like gosh, he must have had a lot of this. Pretty down, pretty good. Like from near the beginning, if not the beginning, yeah, or else he's a super genius. I mean, one of the two, because it's so yeah, planned out I mean, and like, thought through. Are you an Arrested Development fan? No, I've never seen that. I'm saving it, saving it for prison. Um, the <laughs> um, when you see that when there's bits that arrive that are like a big bit in the show, like there's yeah. a bit in the show where one of the characters loses a hand, and but but for like episodes and episodes, like a season before that, there's been jokes and puns and visual jokes about hands for for like a dozen episodes before this thing ever happens, and like I'm like man, that is so assured to be able to like plan that far ahead, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean there's just so many things that become meaningful in a way that doesn't seem exactly silly, where it doesn't seem like just a retcon. But that's so satisfying. And, you know, to be honest, I mean, uh, it's one of those rare shows where I stop what I'm doing and just watch a series of unfortunate events. Oh, a listener tells us that we have to repeat what it is that we talked about when we're done talking about it. Oh, right. Yes. You saw that email, right? Yes. And you're a professional, so you won't mind that criticism. From now on, when we talk about something, we have to tell people what we just talked about. Right. Uh, we were just talking about a series of unfortunate events. This is going to be really, really fascinating for people. And we were talking about the other Netflix series, Jessica Jones. Is there anything else we didn't mention? Uh, we also were ta- we mentioned during that the uh, mm-hmm. MCU, which stands for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. We should mention that uh, Marvel uh, is a company that makes movies. They make comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to have a different name. Um, when we say comics, we're referring to uh, something yes. that's called a comic book. A comic book or a graphic novel. Graphic what novel. we're really talking about is, is, is sequential art. Right. Sequential art. When we talk about what is art, really. Right. Um, I don't know what art is, but I know it when I see it. Um, is there anything <laughs> else? We didn't uh, refer to ourselves. I think you're Merlin. I'm Dan. Oh, hi. 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 <laughs> uh, pound sign productivity. <clears throat> yes. Mm, need to sleep. <clears throat> so yeah, there's a lot of good TV out there. And, oh, and the other thing, we should, I want to hear about something you like, but I started watching the show you recommended. Ah, Wild Wild Country. Wild Wild Country. I just finished the last episode last night. Oh man, I'm... Ugh. It gets, what episode are you in? You said two and a half in? Well, I turned on, like, you know, like any good documentary, like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's so formulaic these days to make a documentary, but I had the vaguest recollection of that guy. So you have, remember it. I didn't remember anything about this. I remember this. the guy. I was, I was saying to um, to my wife, oh, it's that one guy 
you you would remember him from the early eighties. I was like, he kind of looks like a cross between Osama bin Laden and Richard Thompson. Like you would totally, he has like real pretty eyes and he's got cool, a good cool ombre in his Richard hair. He's real, he's real cool looking. <laughs> and does she, when she said Richard Thompson, she's like, she's oh, like, oh yeah, of course, yeah, Richard, right. Richard Thompson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I did not know. And I do not want to spoil anything about this. Well, well, I'm sorry. Hi. A television is a means for getting moving images into your home. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Wild Wild Country on Netflix, and don't learn anything. Join me in staying stupid. I would not even let myself look at Wikipedia. I didn't. I oh, wanted to just smart. be so there smart. with wherever the story goes. And they bait the hook real hard in the first what five minutes? Yeah, where they're doing the kind of get you interested in it part, and they run through all this, and they're flashing all these images, and there's crazy sex stuff going on, and mm-hmm. here's him doing Namaste, and there's him doing Namaste, and I was like, and then here one of the largest something crime cases. I'm like, what, what is that? And I'm like, Oh, you know, they're going to show him doing namaste and handcuffs. Boom. Namaste and handcuffs. Woo. These guys had me <laughs> really good. <laughs> really, really uh-huh. good. Uh, you know, I, I that, that shield is a handful. Woo. Uh, so yeah, if you're only on two and episode two and a half, it just gets more and more crazy by, I guess there are six episodes. I'm, up, I'm, I'm kind of up to them getting armed. <laughs> After yeah force. okay, the, it, it's just starting. After they get to like episode three or four, then you're like, "What? You're <sighs> kidding me!" I don't remember anything about this. I talked to uh, to our friend uh, to John Roderick about it. He apparently was like intently following this whole thing when it was going on. In the early, I 80s. was like oblivious to it. I don't even remember hearing about any of this. I'm like, how did? And I thought I liked cults and knew everything about cults. I didn't I know, know anything. I know. Don't know anything. I, I can uh, I can uh, undersign, and I did that thing where I was like, Meh, maybe I'll start looking at this thing Dan mentioned. <laughs> oh God, I watched. I stayed up till past midnight, which is past <laughs> my bedtime. That is too late for you. I watched. I'm an old guy. Yes. I take naps and stuff, but I watched two episodes, and I was like, oh, I gotta go. I started into the third one. I was like, I gotta go to bed. Mm. Mm. Visions of Bogwans dancing in my head. Yeah. Bog, bo- Bogwan. Oh, you mean Osho? I think you Osho. mean Osho. Oh, sure. We call him Osho now. He doesn't talk anymore. Yeah, we Real quiet speak guy. anymore. Namaste. Um, Dan, we have so much to talk about this week. Could you please tell me about something that you like? I would love to tell you about Eero. Eero! We, Boy, you get a big thumbs up from me on the Eero. I am spoiled because I have the Eero running at home, and it, it totally changed my home network. I've talked about issues that we were having in different parts of the house. My son's room, when he used to use his computer up there, he couldn't get any signal up there, couldn't get a signal out in the back of the house. Um, and, uh, you know, no offense to Apple, but we, I used the Apple base station for a long time. And the reason that I kept using it was because I never had to think about it. Right. I just plugged it in and never had to think about it, but it didn't do the job. And that's, that's the problem. It, it didn't, I feel like it's 2018 Merlin. We should have Wi-Fi everywhere. We should everywhere oh, we go. It, sister. I'm and, so with you. <laughs> and so, uh, enter the Eero. This is the thing. They want you to never have to think about Wi-Fi again. Uh, but they do it in a way that really makes that possible that you plug this thing in. First of all, it's, it's, it's a base station, but then you have these little things that are called beacons and this is, this is the the second gen. So if like, even if you have like a first gen Eero, you're still getting a great experience, but the second gen adds these, these beacons. I got a beef with Eero. Can I give you my beef with Eero? I want to hear it. Okay. I I have to do. They're kind enough to sponsor things that I do. Yeah. 
Um, and I have to do the ad read. And I fall all over myself going through all of this technical flibbity-jibbity about the gigahertz radios and the extra bands. Right. And it's like, yeah, that's really good. But what you really want to tell people is you plug in this goddamn thing and you have Wi-Fi everywhere. That's what you need to know. That's it. Like, I want you to continue. I don't, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> I want you to keep going through this mumbo-jumbo. But what you really need to understand at the end of the day is you get this. You set this thing up. It takes about 15 minutes. And then, you know what? I'm hooked. I bought two more beacons. I nice. got one for my goddamn garage. Why not? Because I want to be able to walk. Yeah, and it like it just works. It just, that's the sound it makes. It just makes Wi-Fi go everywhere. Now, please continue with the flippity chippity. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. You go anywhere in your house. And, and the way that this works is you, you can get a pack where it comes with a number of beacons. And so there's an app that you get for your phone. And you, ins- you plug in the main base station, and then it... You, you run the app and the app will tell you, oh, you should put uh, a beacon over here. It'll, it'll like warn you. If you put it someplace dumb, it'll warn Right. You. It'll tell you that it's not the best place and it'll actually tell you where to put it. And the beacon is a small, it almost looks like a little, kind of a cool looking, you know, they use the term wall ward. It kind of looks like a little wall ward. And what's smart about these things is they figure, okay, you're just going to plug this into your, your outlet in the, in the hallway or whatever. Why not put a little light in it? So they have it's got it's got it's got a, a sensor in it to say whether it needs to be on. Right. And if you don't like it, if you don't like the LED, you don't like the um the light. You the can turn light. It off. You just turn off the nightlight if you don't want it. But it's there, and you turn it on and off with your app on your phone. Uh, yeah, throw, throw it to me when you're ready to talk about the app. Let's talk about the app. Let's talk about the app. Let's talk about something important. It, I have to say, about, there's some things I have to say. Talk it, about the gigahertz and the radios. Yes, so they, they have a, about, a third yeah. five gigahertz radio mm-hmm. in the second generation Eero. It's tri-band. It's twice talk as fast to, as, your doorbell. as the predecessor. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, you could do more in every room of your home. Uh, let's see. Increased speed and range. That's the stuff they want me to say. But let's, let's talk about what's something important. Let's talk about the app. WPA2 oh encryption. What was that? WPA2 encryption. WPA2. Yeah. I love their app, and I, I hate to go on about this, but it is such a satisfying app to use. It's, I mean, you probably, you're old enough to remember the days where when you bought anything to use with a Mac, it was always like pushing a rope. It was some kind of Java-looking thing you'd install and be really <laughs> gross. Yeah. This is a bespoke, wonderful app that lets you... You don't really, you don't have to do anything with this app apart from use it to set stuff up or make changes. But it's so easy to use. It's such a joy to use. And it has two features in it that I really, really love. Um, one is that it automatically tests your connection every day. So it automatically runs the equivalent of like a speed test and it shows you you're up and down. You can also do that manually if you want. Right. I think that's really cool. One thing I really love is it shows you every device that is currently on your network. So it'll say like, okay, there's this, there's this MacBook that's uh, here. This is your Amazon Echo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It says you have this many devices attached and it shows you the, it shows you drill down. So you, you, let's say you click on, uh, like the ring doorbell and you click on that and it says, okay, ring doorbell is currently using the hallway beacon and it's using this much bandwidth. And if you see, see something really weird on there that doesn't seem right, you can block it. So you don't get any, uh, you know, you don't want to get any hop ons. You can take care of that from there. Uh, and then recently, they just, I don't exactly understand this, but I did it because I heard it's good, is they have, help me out, I'm going to try to say this phonetically, IPv6? Yeah, IPv6. Okay, they got that now on the Eero, so you can go in, and apparently that's good and makes things fast, 
And so all I had to do is flip one, one little switch to make a change in it. Like it, it didn't even, it didn't even burp. Right. It's the app is so easy to use. You can, oh, you can create a super easy guest network and you can like show somebody your phone and they, isn't it like a QR code that can just hit that and then boom, like yep. they're on. It's, yeah. Oh, you could send the password. It's so great. Isn't that cool? It's a really, you know, it's not the cheapest way to do this, but like if, if you care about having Wi-Fi in your house and then not worrying about it, this is such a great way to go. Totally agree. And uh, the, the deal is for our listeners, they can go to Eero, E-E-R-O, and that's how you spell this thing, Eero.com, and you can select overnight shipping, and you enter back to work as the promo code back to work. Back to work. One word as a promo code, and you'll get overnight shipping for free to the U.S. and Canada. And it, uh, it is outstanding. I am, like I was saying, I'm totally spoiled here at the office. I'm in like, uh, I have an, uh, an office in a, it's like a little sweet office. Not like, oh, it's sweet, dude. No, like it's a, sweet they call office, it a suite. Dude. It's just an office in like a floor of, you know, lots and, of and offices. And call that a suit. A suit. And uh, yeah, do you yeah, say root or route? Uh, I always get it wrong. I don't think there is a wrong. I just think I'm it's. Go buy us a bedroom suit. <laughs> so uh, in here, they have just some kind of crap, you know, router that, you know, whatever DSL company gave them or whatever. And it's horrible. It's horrible. And I'm like, man, I almost want to buy an Eero just to hand to them and say, use this. Just trust mm-hmm. me. Use this. But uh, it, it's so much better. It's so much better. And then I put a beacon right here in my own office. <laughs> oh my god that's what I'm gonna do just make my life easier Eero.com use, Eero. use back to work to make the overnight shipping free to the US and Canada and we appreciate the support of Eero thank you very much to Eero for supporting this show Merlin Man. Dan Benjamin all the great shows oh, I really do like it um, it's fun it's fun when we get a sponsor that actually it's something that we, we genuinely like and use ourselves. And <laughs> Be careful, careful. No, you know what I'm saying? There's sometimes you get a sponsor. Like, I, w- I know a, too much what you're saying. It's a good sponsor, but you know, I'm not like obsessed <laughs> yes. with the thing. I'm obsessed with the arrow. What can I say? Yeah, it's not like one of those like financial things where you have to read it very carefully or the <laughs> FEC comes That's to right. House. Yeah. Do <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> uh, you have any questions about the copy? No, I'm good. Back to work um, to make it free. Uh, so yes, yes. Other things I'm interested in, we could talk about the archive. I'm interested in revisiting fonts, revisiting fonts. Yes. Revisiting fonts. I'm, I'm curious what that means. Cause, uh, what that means? What that mean is, you know, periodically on the show, we talk about, I will, I will get an email from time to time, uh, from somebody who has read my, uh, I think it's a 2009 article called the top, uh, top 10 programming fonts that I wrote on oh, Hive sure. Logic in May 17th, 2009 or 17 May as the people in UK say. And, uh, and, and I wrote a back then, uh, nine years ago about the fonts that I was using uh, to had experimented with to to write code, and there were a lot of fonts that didn't exist back then. Consolus by Microsoft didn't exist. Uh, I think in console, oh, Consolus maybe was brand new, if I remember right. In Consolata mm-hmm. was Love my Inconsolata. was my uh, font of choice, but there were other ones like the new one that um, Apple has introduced uh, when I think maybe three or four versions back, which talk, is talk about Frisco f- uh, Menlo. No. Oh. 
And then then now we have SF Mono. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I feel like things are really different. And I remember the last time you and I talked about it, if I remember right, you were using some kind of thin, like thin looking font. And so I wanted to revisit and find out where you were and I could share where I was in the world of fonts. Menlo, if you can get your head around Menlo, you're in pretty good shape because you can get Menlo in lots of places. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like Inconsolata. Um, I don't know why I got I think we talked about this when it first came out, but I, I really like um, IBM Plex. I saw that one come out. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real pretty like family of uh, of of fonts. Here, I'm going to send you. You can get images, right? Yeah, I'm back. Um, uh, I'm all back now. That experiment, no, really? is, yeah, and, that, and that's next episode. I want to talk about. <gasps> You'll that. talk about it someday. Next all episode, right. if if you're if you're down. So, like, there's uh, that's me using the suite of uh, some of the various. Uh, faces there oh isn't that pretty it is yeah very readable it really pops because it, it's a little bit reminiscent of a, a bunch of like the slab face is is real pretty and the more like text face is reminds me a little bit favorably uh, favorably a little bit of uh, not Gil Sands, what am i thinking of uh franklin gothic mm, a little bit. okay yeah just a little bit but I'm using so right now in nv alt i am using ibm plex mono 16 Okay. It's real. It's real chunky. But yeah. I, I, like I say, in Consolata. What do you? Um, yeah. Well, what made you want to talk about this again? Are you trying something different? Uh, well, n- no. I just uh, periodically will get emails, and and somebody sent me an email where they were talking about um, where they were talking about that article, and I thought, you know, it probably has been a while since we talked about fonts in general. And I mean, in Consolata is a great one. There's a couple different variants of in Consolata where they've. Uh, either fixed or broken, depending on your point of view, fixed or broken uh, some uh, of the little like change the way that quotes look or the way that zero look, whether it has a dot or a slash or neither in it. Mm. And so it, there, I think one of them is like in consolata D in consolata G. Um, okay, so depending on, on which oh, in consolata G. Yeah. Oh, in consolata. Oh, I, okay. So in consolata has a slash on a zero and in consolata G has a dot. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. I see the difference. Um, oh yeah. They're, they're, they're real different and are like yes. a different size. Yes. And that's the thing that bothers me about it is it seems like whenever a font gets sort of re-engineered, like they'll change it. So what I was used to looking at as 14 point is now more like 16 and then the line spacing height will be off. And so mm-hmm. I, I generally run with the standard I used in consolata exclusively for a very, very, very long time. Uh, and then recently, I have started experimenting with, uh, with different fonts. One of them that I find that I'm using a lot is SF Mono, which is, this is a font that's built into uh, Mac OS. Um, but there is a way to install it because I don't think... There's a way you can suck it out of one of the packages. Y- I think. Yes, um, I don't know. I remember how I got it. I, but will, I do. Have I it. will put it into the show notes. I'm looking for. There's one that says, "Yeah." So here's. F- I got it. I'll put that in the show notes. So if Ooh, you, that's that's pretty dense. That's pretty dark. Uh, oh, SF Mono Medium. Yeah, you might have to switch to the light one. Anyway, that's one that I really like. I'm using that in a lot of places. Um, another one that I found that's really cool that 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 works for me for a lot of reasons is one called hack 
okay. and it is a typeface that was designed for source code. That's in the show notes now too. And it's real distinctive. Yeah, I've got it. I, I've, I don't remember where I got it, but I've got it. I like that. And it, it, mm-hmm. it hits the mark for me for a lot of reasons. Kind it's of a little bit like a big Monaco, but it's real, real easy to read. And it, yeah, and it's got a zero that's, and a, and a one that are very distinctive. Um, you know, like I and a J and things like that look very different. So I find that I've been coding in that one quite a bit. Uh, and that's very, very, uh, works very well for me. That's a good one. I still spend a lot of time, you know, I'm still using TextMate 2. I do use Atom sometimes, but TextMate 2 is like, that's what my brain has memorized how to do everything in. So I use that a lot. And, you know, I'm, I'm in that thing a lot of the day, writing code, uh, making notes, other things like that. So um, what I've also done is in one of the, one of the things that I, I do. I use iTerm two. Let me put this in a mm-hmm. show notes. iTerm two because I'm in terminal quite a bit. And uh, terminal, the, the standard terminal that comes with uh, Mac OS is fine. It's fine, but you can do a lot of cool things with iTerm two. So I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, but one of the things you can do is you can create different profiles, and you there's a lot more customization mm, depending pop- on what kind of stuff you're doing. Yeah, and uh, and, and and so for me. I actually use in in terminal. I use Roboto Mono in terminal, which I believe is a um, a Google, a font. Google font. Yeah. yeah. Um, the reason I use a different one in terminal is a lot of the time my terminal windows they might have a similar sized. Uh, I might have made them the same size. I don't want to accidentally type code into my terminal window, and you would say to yourself, "How how could that possibly happen?" Um, I've been programming on computers since I was probably 10 or 11 years old. Uh, it, it happens. Eventually you'll do it. You'll type the wrong thing into a window and it will happen to be bad. So <laughs> I, I, but I don't want an ugly font in there either. So I use Roboto Mono in terminal, which is just different enough that I, it gives me that one second of pause to be like, wait, where am I typing this command or where am I typing this line? Uh, so those are my two go-tos now, Roboto Mono and hack are the ones that I've been spending the most time uh, okay, doing. So I put them in the show notes. Show notes, bottom. Merlin, are going to be at 5by5.tv slash B is in brothers, 2 is in the number, W as in women, slash 370. Mm-hmm. 370. And you can download all the font hack and Roboto Mono. All of these fonts and the ones that we're talking about are, are free for you to use on your own computer. And SF Mono, which is if if you told me Merlin that all you were using for everything was the SF Mono, I would commend you. I'd say that's an excellent choice, and that's built into Mac OS X. And if you're not on a Mac, I don't know if or how you can you can get that. But other ones, some people like um, Source Code, Source Code Pro. I love the notion of Source Code Pro, and I struggle with Source Code Pro all the time. It kind of wants to be a text font. It does. Right? It's kind of, it's pretty. Like it wants to be yeah. I say a text font, but like it wants to be like body text yeah. a little bit. It's pretty. It's not doesn't have as much jumpy this is a mono space fontness uh, as some of the other ones, but yeah. it, it is pretty. Yeah, it is. It, but, I find it to be the spacing to be a little wrong for my own preferences. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and that I just I find I I reject that harsh hard mm-hmm. harshly. Uh, oh, I, I feel like worth mentioning is one called Fira Mono. Have you have you seen Fira Mono? F I R A. 
Uh, so this one is one that uh, that uh, Mozilla came out with. This is their Fira. official typeface. Uh, the the Fira um, type family as a whole, but uh, as a as a subtext to that. Ooh, um, look at that. Yeah. Now that now, if you look at Fira Mono, this is one of those fonts that it's even though it's a monospaced font, it almost feels like a serif font. Um, yeah, it's almost got a little flavor of not Gil Sands, but it's it's got yeah. a flavor of like wanting to be like a fancier font. And I I found that that was kind of like that's fun. And here's mm-hmm. the stupid thing: I don't know if this is just me or if other people experience this if they're writing code or or perhaps writing writing. Is that the font actually seems to affect how I feel about the thing that I'm writing or coding? And so mm-hmm. there have been times where I've been either trying to think of a way to to solve a problem or code to write or i've just been kind of burnt out i'm wanting feeling like i want to start something new maybe i should learn maybe i should teach myself erlang or rust and when i start to feel that way it's stupid but it works for me i will change the font that i'm using in my text editor and it will feel like a brand new thing that I'm working on. And I, it's stupid, but it works for me. And all of a sudden, I'll be like inspired to try and solve the problem or write some more code or whatever. Is that just me? I don't think so. I mean, obviously, this is something people have extremely strong opinions about. I have, you know, not strong opinions. I have an opinion about like ones that I like and don't. But first of all, you know, uh, if, if you're new to this, wondering why this is something you should even worry about, um, you know, you may have a an approach or a style or even a preferences where having a font that doesn't work for you in these environments can be kind of fatiguing where you wouldn't even think about it. Like, does it like you might be really like you might be really bugged. Like, why are these asterisks like um, five sided stars? Like, shouldn't it be a six sided star for an asterisk? Right. Well, it depends on what your preference is. Right. Like, shouldn't zeros and, 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 you know, O's look different in this way? And I mean, the only way to really do it, I feel like, is to, is to try it. Like, in this case, I mean, I'm just looking at the file for this, uh, the buffer, as you say, for this week's episode of the show. And I'm just trying in NV Alt and I'm just clicking and it changes the fonts for the whole page and you can go like an immediate gut check of like oh ooh that's definitely not for me or compare these two next to each other but you kind of really do need to try it for a while it's just that you know depending on what you're doing i mean here's another thing i mean there's so many people that are like our age who are still like proudly running like monaco 10 and it's like <laughs> you know what do yourself a favor <laughs> yeah like pump it up a little bit <laughs> something i feel like i first read rand's uh talking about is you know try 14 or 16 for what you're reading it's actually just so much easier especially on a big screen unless you really need to see a lot of that text at one time um do yourself a favor but also the other part of this you're reminding me of something i used to do because i'm not a smart person and you're here talking here about like oh am i doing this thing in the terminal am i doing it somewhere else it gives you some mindfulness about where you are Mm -hmm. i used to put like using like a a, i think i would just use i don't know php or whatever but i would i would put a giant like giant different sized banners 
on like production versus development staging. Right. So I would know like, okay, this is the version you're looking at, dummy. Like that's why you don't see the change. Like if you see the red banner at the top, you know that you're in like, you know, the production or right. the um, development server. And it's just one way to like keep from feeling crazy about like, should, why, why am I not seeing that change? I saved the file. Like why is it not showing up there? <laughs> yes. But like sometimes you need that. You need that piece of tape, like that Apollo 13 piece of tape that says like, you know, don't press this button no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you get real stupid. But it's nice that there's so many options out there that are that are free. I bought a monospaced font probably 10 or more years ago. Mm-hmm. That's just so weird. Remember when Pragmata was hot? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I paid God, something like a hundred bucks for that. I mean, I've bought fonts inside of like collections, but like I, it's one of the few times that I paid money just to have a monospaced font. And it's actually, it's, it's kind of lame. They only got this one font. There's not different versions. It's, but uh, yeah, no, there's an embarrassment of riches out there, and I don't think you should feel weird about it at all. You got to find what works for you. Well, your comment about you know Monaco Ten, I I remember back in the old days of BBA BB Edit like version eight, mm-hmm. maybe eight pre nine because nine I think is when they added Consulus regular and made that the default font for mm. BB Edit. Um, before that, I think the default font was I think it was like Monaco Nine. Mm-hmm. And I've looked at so people who spend hours and hours like changing their their environment and their their um, profile and stuff like that. It's like God, do you, all you have to do just hit plus plus, make that bigger. Like, and I used so to look at I used to look at it. I used to write PHP and Java code in that thing, and I'd be yeah. staring at that thing all day. No wonder I'm, my vision's so screwed up now. I know, I know. I feel the same way. So did you put you put those in notes? Yeah, there as many as many as I could. I, I found and put in the notes. Yeah. Excellent. Let's go look here. Monifer oh, yeah, is another weird one. Roboto. Roboto. I could not put iTerm2 in because when I search for iTerm2, um, the website uh, didn't load. So oh, that's no good. Um, it's not in there. Yeah, I would say, you know, just, just for fun, go look at that IBM um, Plex font. It's It's really... I don't know. It's it's bright. It's fun. It's modern. You know? try. Maybe it, I'll give it, it a feels, shot. Oh, no, no. I just mean in terms of like if you want a family of fonts that you can – like you saw in my little letter to my neighbors. Like you, if you want just a way to have some kind of like if, to sex it up a little bit with all one family, they mix and match really well. Yeah. Like they're slabby serif heads and they're like skinnier – um, body text just looks really good together. And it reminds me, I mean, like I say, it reminds me of some of my favorite fonts. So what is it? What is the slab font it's reminding me of? But the, it reminds me, the actual body font reminds me a little bit, I don't know why, it reminds me a little bit of Franklin Gothic. And then when you bold it, for some reason, it reminds me a little bit of like Din Middleschrift. Hmm. You're, we are a Din Middleschrift man? Mm. It's the Kotke font. Din oh. Middle I thought he did. Uh, you're not talking about the one that, that. Not his tiny fonts. Remember his sil- silk screen? Yeah, I used to love those. I, I used to collect that. those. Yeah. Go, uh, yeah, go look at. Just, just start banging on the keyboard. Din space middle shrift. M I T T E L. It's one of those, you know, Din fonts. It's one of those German, like, official fonts. And it's really sharp looking. Is that the one they use on their signage in the highways, the interstates? I they, I know they use it for a lot of I don't know if it's the highways but they do use it for lots of official things. You know, Ger- Germans love uh, official things. They do. Well, um the uh, update on our iMac at home after mm-hmm. I uh turned off whatever crash plan whatever it was. Oh right. Um I uh 
everything has been great. It's been running quick, no lag, speedy, <laughs> everything good. So that was my follow-up. Good. That's that. really great to hear. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Anything? Uh, I don't think we're having too much interesting tech stuff. What have I done recently tech-wise? Tried another uh, Canary camera. Uh, not as good as the regular one. What else am I doing? Still loving the Amazon family. Boy, we use that a lot. To. We use that a lot. I use it a lot for arithmetic. My daughter's not allowed to use a calculator, but I am. Well, you're you're grown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's got to do homework and stuff, and it's got to be like you know you got to show. You know, her homework is so funny um, because it's like I know what the answer is, but I don't know how to explain what the answer is, and explaining what the answer is is really the homework. You know, when they say show your work. Oh yeah. Like in this case, um, and here's a grid of all, you know all of the like uh, vertical ten, horizontal ten, like hundred numbers. Like when you multiply these two numbers together, here's the number they create. Identify, shade in all of the numbers that are divisible by both three and two. And I was like, okay, well, we were working on this yesterday. And it was like, okay, well, I would say color in the whole row that's threes or like, you know, the, like the sixes were the obvious ones. Mm-hmm. But going through all, you know, all of these, it was like, but I was like, I'm not sure why I know that or how I know that. You know, and then she and she does stuff like uh, she, she. Have you done factor rainbows? I don't think I've done factor rainbows. Oh my god, she just does this stuff that involves drawing and lines, and I'm like, what are you learning? I, jeez, I'll look up factor rainbows. Well, you tell me about something you like. I will tell you about Casper. Casper. Why not? Again, another sponsor that we're privileged to have because we both actually genuinely like the the product and use it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Can't get better than that. Casper is a sleep brand, and what they do is they they want you to have a great night's sleep, the most comfortable, exceptional sleep experience you can get. And the way they've done this is they started out with mattresses because that's that's what you think of when you think of sleep and you think of your bed. That's what they did. They started out by making an amazing Casper mattress, and since they came out with the first one, they have now made two other kinds. They call the first one the Wave and the second one the Essential. The Wave has this patent-pending high-end support system that mirrors the natural shape of your body. So it's kind of like their higher-end offering. Then they also have the Essential. This is a streamlined design at an affordable price. I mean, now basically everyone can have a Casper. And no matter what, if you want like the super high-end one, they got that. You want on a budget, they got that. You want the straight-up regular Casper like we've got, they got that too. Really, really great products. Super, super comfortable They breathe so you sleep cool. It helps regulate your body temperature throughout the night. Uh, They've got supportive memory foams in them, so you're going to get that really great quality sleep surface. And it really does make a huge, 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 huge difference for me. Anytime I go to like, I used to go to hotels because, uh, and I would stay there and be like, oh, the bed was so comfortable. Now it's like, the bed doesn't even compare in the hotels. Like I can't wait to get to my own bed, even on a vacation. It's crazy. Hundred percent. So uh, they here's the thing they have because it can you can kind of be unsure about. Well, wait a minute. You're saying I should be buying uh, a mattress over the internet. What if I don't like it? They understand that a hundred nights risk free to to try it to sleep on it. Get it, unbox it. It in, it inhales the air. It expands itself out. You sleep on that thing for 100 nights, and if you're not completely satisfied with it, they will come and take it away. They will take it away. 
for you. You don't even have to take it to the post office or anything. They will come and get it. Uh, it's completely risk free, and it's. I mean, it's it's pretty sweet of a deal. I don't see how you, there's no risk. So they have a special uh, situation for our listeners. It's fifty dollars towards select mattresses if you go to Casper C A S P E R Casper dot com slash back to work and you use the promo code back to work when you're checking out and you'll get fifty dollars toward a select mattresses. Now they they want me to say the words terms and conditions apply. Mm-hmm. So I've said that. We can do that. And uh, but this is it, and uh, and and, and th- this is an amazing thing. Why would you not do this? Most people, I think, in the audience have been sleeping on the same bed for for more than ten years, and you don't really know that you're hurting yourself or the reason why you're tossing and turning at night or waking up in the night or not being able to fall asleep could potentially be related to the mattress that you're on. Oh, and they also do uh, other things. They do pillows and they do sheets. They're basically their goal is to make you sleep great, and that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Casper.com slash back to work. Use the code back to work when you're checking out and uh, go get a better night's sleep. Hmm. Thank you, Casper. I got a new headphone amp. Hey, what'd you get? You got a doll? Uh, no. Um, new doll? No. The uh, old Behringer uh, headphone amp that I old used Behringer died. It. it finally just, uh, first one port went and then another port went and then the third of five went and I said, it, it is time. Uh, as they, as they say in Terminator Two, it is time. <laughs> and I got the uh, I got the uh, the ART four port uh, head amp is what they call it. I'll put it. I'll put this into uh, uh, into the show notes. It is. It, I used to have one of these a long time ago, and for some dumb reason, I sold it. Hmm. Um, I don't know what I did that for. Because these yeah. things are just, they're just great. And they're, they're not the cheapest. Uh, there are many cheaper headphone amps out there. What do I need a headphone amp for? Well, I was going to ask you, Dan, what do you need a headphone amp for? If, Tell me about this. Yes. Yeah, so if you're recording in one place with multiple people, um, they all, you, want, uh, you want them to all be able to monitor themselves, listen to themselves while they're recording. Uh, that's critical. And in order to do that, if you have like one headphone out port uh, on your on your DAW, then uh, or your audio um, interface, uh, this splits it into four, and each one of those has its own volume control. So that that each, makes a lot of sense. Each person can set it. But what's wonderful about this one by ART is, first of all, it is built like a tank. It's metal. The knobs, uh, the pots, don't get that crackle in them even after years of use. Um, it's just rock solid. It's got really, really rugged rubber feet on the bottom that aren't the little four little dot glue rubber feet that the second you slide it across the surface, they roll off and then they're gone and you can never get them back. These are long. Then you got, you got to live with that. Yeah. You got to live with it. These, the, the way they do the feet on these, they're long and they're actually the full, they're attached to the side of the unit and they're the full. Uh, length or width of the unit rather so that they're per there i mean those things are on there and i believe you can even replace them and maybe even make this a little rack mounted i don't know but they have never come off they're not coming off and um and what my favorite part of this is that it has one eighth inch as well as quarter inch inputs and 
outputs on this thing. That doesn't seem like too much to ask. No, it's great. It's totally great because what that means is if one person wants to use iPhone headphones or something, you can plug that right in. You want to use your, you know, Sony's, whatever, you can plug it in. And uh, there's there's no noise with this thing. There's no distortion with it. There, if you have multiple ones, because you can daisy chain them with your uh, SCSI two cable, uh, you ju- just kidding. Uh, you can stack them, and they stack up on top of each other. And uh, because those little feet I was telling about fit in a little groove on top of the anyway, these things are great. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, the only downside is like you can get a headphone amp for like twenty five bucks. That that'll be decent. Uh, yeah. But if you want one that'll last you f- probably forever, unless you're dumb like me and sell it, um, then then this one's sixty five smackers. So There's something nice cheap. to, I mean, not oh, always altogether like altogether necessary. There's something nice about having equipment that somebody put a lot of care into. Yeah, you, you know, like I'm like I've got stuff where I'm not using all the features of it, but like I'm so glad that it's really well made. It really makes a difference. It makes you notice how flimsy some stuff is when you're using stuff that really is well made. I love it. I couldn't recommend mm-hmm. it more. Get good stuff. Then you only yeah. have to get it once. It's true. It's true. It's expensive to be poor. I think the Behringer was, you know, 28, 30 bucks, and of course it died. Ugh, Behringer. Stupid. Uh, we've got an email from a listener you want to talk about. Do you want to briefly talk about the archive? Yes, I would love to talk about the archive. Uh, you told me, I think you, this is the weird, I don't know what was going on. You mentioned the archive either one or two episodes back when we were talking about NV Alt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and I think I already put that in, in, uh, yeah, Christian had sent me a when right before it launched. Christian sent me a, a link and a, a code for it to, to check it out. It's a really, it's a really, it's a uh, neat app. Well, Christian, send send me a, a code for it because I love it. Um, <laughs> it is um, is really interesting because okay, so Envy Alt is the oh we're supposed to say what we're talking about. Oh hi hi Dan hey Merlin. A podcast is like an internet radio show. Mm-hmm. We're talking about an app called The Archive. And you can find out about this at zettelkasten.de. Slash the-archive. Yeah, but you can find it in show notes for this episode. So what What this is... Oh, sorry, Dan. Where do people find show notes for this episode? Oh, show notes are going to be 5by5.tv slash yeah. b2w slash 270. Uh, so anyway, what this... Do I need the internet for that, Dan? No. What okay. this is, is if it's very similar to NVAlt, Um which is a, a note-taking application or a, a f- uh, text file organization application, depending on how you want to think of it. And the archive is kind of like a newer, maybe better updated version of this. It has the same concept yeah, of having and design, like a, designed to be used for the Zettelkasten system, uh, uh, you know, rather than just being a hack with MVAlt, like he's designed this from the ground up for his, his wackadoo system. Right. right. What is his system? Oh man, um, it's I don't completely understand it. It's one of those big systems mm. where it's kind of like a personal wiki. How does he describe it? Um, let's go see how he describes it. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't mean to sound like I'm, I'm disparaging. No, he's, yeah, I don't take that at all. Yeah, um, but he's got this whole system for it's. You know, if you've ever used anything like Devon Think, it's kind of along those lines where you just it's. If you're like me and you got little bits of text, but you want more of like a cohesive system. Like he, for example, I mean, the most obvious example is that every one of his notes begins with, uh, does he call it a Zettelkasten number? But it's basically a timestamp, right, a very time specific timestamp. Time mm-hmm. And then you can then link to those timestamps using Markdown like um, 
uh, markup. So it makes it very easy to essentially create a personal wiki that and tie stuff together, and then you can use tags on top of that. And it becomes this way of like taking all of your personal or professional information and putting it into a very lightweight system uh, using a, a fairly strict but very mature um, taxonomy, I guess. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. Uh, you don't have to do that to use the archive. Okay. It, that's not required. And it has not replaced NVAlt um, for me, per se, but... Uh, it's, it's a neat alternative and it does some things that if you find that you're in it a lot, like a lot of people will use an external editor, uh, for longer form things. And they might then use NVAlt to call that up later or find it quickly, but then they're going to click it and open their external editor to actually do the editing. And what it right. seems like the archive is designed to be a little bit more of an editor as well as an organizational system. And when you look at the, if you go to the website and look at the screenshots for the archive, you'll see those timestamps that we were talking about in there. And when I saw that, I'm like, wait a minute, like, does it have to have those? The answer is no, that it does not have mm-hmm. to have those. It, no, 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 no. Um, if you start with just an untitled note, it will create that timestamp uh, key for you, but you you don't have to use that. Um, but I just wanted to thank you for mentioning it. Yeah, I think you mentioned it kind of just. I think offhand. it's very much worth worth checking out, yeah. and it's it's a, in some ways like the app Tick Tick that we've talked about. Tick Tick is an app called Tick Tick um, that you can find on the internet by searching for Tick Tick. Um, make sure to mention things twice. Yeah, um, like Tick Tick, it seems to have sort of sprung fully formed. Like oh, right. history with, with TikTok, you've got all these, you've got years of people building uh, productivity apps and to-do list apps, task managers, whatever you want to call it. And TikTok seemed to like take a pretty curated idea of like, here's the parts of this we like the best, but these parts we don't want. Boom, comes out of the womb fully formed. Right. And I think that's sort of what's happening with the archive. Um, well, I mean, like, I think, I mean, I, I know Brett. And who's the other person that works on it? I always forget, but NVALT is still under development. It just hasn't been on a super aggressive release schedule. Um, and I think two things to note about, um, I mean, in fairness to, to the archive is, yes, if you are using something like this Zettel Kasten approach, um, it's very tuned for that. It's also very, I, I would say it has more emphasis on being pretty mm-hmm. it, it, uh, in a good way. So like, for example, I don't think... I don't think NVL does this. But for one thing, it hangs, like when you've got numerical bullets or or bullets, it hangs the text all to the right of that bullet's column instead of sort of running in line. Right. So you know what I mean? Like in NVL, in in a lot of editors, um, the lines, like I I can see one, two, three, and four at the beginning of the lines, but there's no, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no float or... uh, you know, uh, basically, the, the, what am I trying to do? help me explain what this is called in typography? It's like a hanging quote. Basically, it much more clearly delineates your bulleted items. Right. That's yeah. That's perfect. Archive. Yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 real pretty, and it comes with some real nice um, built-in uh, themes. Like it's got solarized light and dark. What's pretty functional look like? That's your basic. But yeah, and it you know it, it automatically uh, it, it does. Um, the markdown, um, what is it called? The where it like colors and and styles things, so you can like kind of quickly see. One thing I love is he lets you pick what you want. This is in the archive, which is an app called the archive. Uh, you can pick how you want italics and bold to work with underscores mm. or asterisks. Right? Yeah, I like that. I, you know, I, I haven't I haven't looked at that feature. My my long time 
one of the first email exchanges I ever had with John Gruber was on the Markdown list in 2004, where I was like, hmm, would you ever consider doing the, uh, I guess, textile thing where underscores mean italics and one, one underscore means italics and one asterisk means bold. And like, he wrote me this really nice, like long response, like no way, like I'll never do that. (laughs) But I, I always use, I try to always use when I can underscores for italics and asterisk two asterisks for bold. And he gives you that option here. It's really cool. Very cool. All in preferences. What else? Oh, you need, you can go in and tweak all kinds of stuff. Line height, uh, line width. And, you know, and so why is this all a big deal? Well, there's a lot of apps out there where, I mean, along the lines of like sublime text, I don't know if this ever got better with sublime text where you basically are editing a text file or a style sheet in order to change anything. And you could do that all in the preferences pane here. My one uh, gripe about it is it, it sort of enforces a margin around the text that, that you're, creating oh, yeah? so if yeah. you if you were to make the, i don't know how big your archive uh the archive window is and maybe this is something i'm missing maybe you can tell me that no you're doing it MVL wrong lets you set a maximum line width but here i see editor insets is that what you're looking for yeah it's not just the editor insets even if you take those down to zero um oh, okay it still won't touch the sides right so if you have if you if your window size is small then it'll be like flush left and that's really nice but if you start making it bigger it kind of become centered oh i see what you're saying you can't say fill fill the all available space or always start from the left and so like all of my editors start from the left and this one it leaves like a ton of space on the left and the right and margins that i don't know if there's a way to make that go away but for me and this is like one of those stupid little things but that like Mm -hmm. that was like well no i get you i get you and how do you do that in nvalt in nvalt you go into probably my NVL, when I have it um, as as large, it doesn't matter how large I make the window. Well, yeah, that's what's nice, though. I'm in the Fonts and Colors tab of NVL's preferences. NVL is an app called NVL. Um, and one of the things you can say, you can say <laughs> keep note body width readable. And so you can set like a maximum width so that no matter how wide you make it, it'll always do that. And what happens when you do that on NVL? Yeah, it also does center it. It centers it for you? Let me see if I turn that mine, off. Mine doesn't... I don't, so I'm if you shut off keep note body width readable, it fills the available space. Keep note body... That's probably what with, you have on. Uh-huh. I have that unchecked. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. I have mine set to like 700 pixels. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. And, and then like... And, and when I unchecked it, as soon as I resized the window, it snapped back to the left mm-hmm. side. I don't see an option like that for... Right. Uh, the, archive. Uh, the archive. So if they, if they add that... I'll yeah. be very happy, and I'll probably board. probably buy it, or unless he's sending me a code, in which case it's perfect. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but that's the archive. That's my note about the archive. So I've, I found that I've been using that and enjoying that, and uh, thank you where, for. Where do mentioning we find it. the canonical explanation of what Zettelkasten is? Because we're on his site. That, where does he Zettelkasten? Zettelkasten. Boy, look at this. This is so pretty and so German. Top layer. And Every single notes. word in German is two other words combined. Even even just one word. This they don't single, seem to mind it. No. They seem like pretty into it. Like if if you're like, oh, um, what about a? Uh, we need a word for bucket in German. How about like canister that holds yes. water? Okay, Kanisterwaterdend. Yes, right. That's the word now. Hol- holding water. Right. Handle man. Yeah. 
like shovel in German is dirt scoopendon. And that's a challenge for developers when they uh, like um, when people talk about trying to localize their apps like and you haven't thought ahead for like if you ever want Germans to use this. Yeah. Like you really need to think about that cuz the buttons are going to get real weird. Fast. Kindergarten. Kindergarten. A garden of children. Hofbrau house. <laughs> Lo- Lowenbrau. Lowenbrau. Here's to good friends. Tonight is kind of special. The beer will pour. Must say something more somehow. Tonight, tonight, let it be low and brown. <laughs> I like that. Was almost Transylvanian at the end of it. I like that. <sighs> uh, we have fun, don't we? Yes. Uh, did you have one more thing you want to tell me about? I got one. I got one more. I got Squarespace. Yeah. Squarespace. You know, you got to talk about Squarespace at some point. And when you do, mm-hmm. why not mention yeah. that this is a way to turn your cool idea into a website? Otherwise, you get a, you get a letter from the podcast authority. No, you can't do that. You don't want that. No. <laughs> this lets you blog. You can you can showcase your work. Uh, some friends of mine, that did, they, they just announced their engagement, and they did it with a Squarespace website. And they, so easy. And they put all their little so pictures easy. of the proposal happening, and everything is there. I mean, it, it's – yeah, it's easy, and that – why Dan, not? You go from you go from, from dingling to website in like an hour. They'll get you the domain <laughs> name. You get it all set up. You start as a dingling, and you come out a webmaster. That's right. A webmaster with uh, with skills because all you need to do – is take these, they have tons of templates, so you can just pick one, and you can do nothing, and you'll have a beautiful website. But if you want to really make it your own, you can, just by uh, twiddling with the little knobs and sliders, and all of a sudden, you started with a template, and now your site looks like one of a kind, and you didn't do any mm-hmm. HTML, you didn't do CSS, it's all, any anyone can do this, and that's what's genius about it. Built-in SEO is there, uh, 24-7 customer support in case you have any trouble for any reason ever, uh, and they, and they just make it so simple. I know I have a friend who uh, he he has a little business. Uh, he he gets watches. He finds them, scours the internet, eBay, places in Japan, and he gets these watches and he services them. He rebuilds them. He cleans them up and makes them look like they did when they were brand new, but they're vintage. And he sells them. And he his Squarespace is what powers his whole site. All the e-commerce, all the shipping, like everything is built in to it. And you could do the same thing if you have something to sell. If you're trying to uh, to to get your business going, you can do it all with Squarespace. But you, you don't even just have register to domain. Become, you don't have to become a seasoned technologist in order to right. put something on the web. That's right. I always tell my kids this, Dan. One of my favorite parts about Squarespace is that <laughs> I, I can spend as much time as I want on it, but I can choose to spend close to zero time on it because to make an update is so fast and it's so simple. And then I just get back to my life, which I just love so much. They take care of everything for me. Nothing very, to ever patch. Nice. Nothing to ever upgrade. They got nope. 24 by 7 support, award winning. They got it all. Soup to nuts. Squarespace.com slash it's your show. It's your show. We'll get you a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code it's your show and you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Uh, and we appreciate their ongoing support. Squarespace.com slash it's your show. Code to use is it's your show. Thanks very much to Squarespace for making this episode possible. Thanks, Squarespace. Pop, pop. Do you want to talk about the uh, email from listener Name Withheld? Yeah, let's do Name Withheld. Let me find that email. Where is it? Clicking, looking. Um, I really, I really screwed myself up. 
we are, we're just I, talking I, about an application called the Archive, mm-hmm. which is available for Mac OS X. You're talking about the app, the Archive, the app? Yes. Okay. Zettelkasten. We need to mention things after we talk about them. Mm-hmm. So you got you to tell them what you're going to tell them, and then you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good for hundreds of hours. That, that wouldn't seems get old. easy. We should do mm-hmm. that every, every episode from now on. Back to work yeah. feedback. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, please not use my name if this makes it to air. Hi, guys. Jeremy. Yeah. King Jeremy the Wicked. Hi, guys. First time, long time. I work in a very small company as a software developer. We have around five developers. About six months ago, our sole lead senior developer quit. He was with the company from its infancy, which left him a fair bit of institutional knowledge and justifications for how internal processes or lack thereof have developed. Uh, Upon the lead developer's departure, we looked around for a suitable replacement. Due to a thin candidate market in my area, there were no suitable candidates. I, by default, fell into the lead slash senior position. I am 23 and the youngest employee. This was my first job out of the university coming up after the, mm-hmm. yeah, I had to add it, uh, coming up on three years with the company. So I'm very green behind the ears again, because it's a small company roles aren't very tightly defined. However, as part of this new role, I'm expected to manage other developers in some capacity. I'm also tasked with making choices with regards to internal processes we follow and technologies we choose. And then he has two points. First, all of the developers that fall underneath me are older than me. Oh, God. I'm feeling pushback from a couple of employees that I am, for the time being, attributing to an age difference. The employee I'm having the most trouble with is decades older than me. However, he's only just started with the company and has more experience on paper. However, I have a much better understanding of how we do things, and and he has quotes around that, and justifications for this, which I think counts for a lot. However, this employee has actually disobeyed a direct instruction to not do something on one or two occasions. This is difficult for me to manage. Should I stop there and talk about that, or should we? Should I go to the next one? You might as well keep going. All right. This is a good email. Two, as I am also tasked with making choices with regards to internal processes we follow and technologies we choose, I find myself having to either change the processes or workflows of employees that do not necessarily report to me, or even have to remind them that they are not following the current processes to a satisfactory standard. I find it hard to do this in a way that doesn't leave me staring at my Slack window thinking, I feel like a bit of a dick for doing this, and it feels like there's some secret method of super positive, constructive criticism that I'm not tuned into yet. Have either of you found yourselves in any of these situations or maybe being subjected to someone in my position or able to point out any resources, etc.? So in other words, uh, help. Yeah. That's that's the summary of the last paragraph. I can totally sympathize or empathize with uh king jeremy um he i i have very often been the youngest person in a company or on a team for you know the earlier part of my career that was always the case and i think everyone gets that starting out but nowadays it seems like like there's lots of companies where there's lots of young people but i was always in a job where you know i was i was 23 25 and everyone around me was 35, 45, 55. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not just youngest by no, a few guys, years. I, mean, like, I, don't, I don't mean to be ageist. Uh, I apologize if I'm being ageist, but in my experience, sometimes those are some tough old dogs. Yeah. Like they, they've seen a lot come and go and uh, that can be, they can be real. I mean, developers in general, I mean, it can be a tough crowd, but like, I don't, like, like somebody who's been doing it for a long time, 
and they, they ain't moving for nobody. No, you're right. And uh, and the other thing I think can be tough about all of this is, you know, he's he is 23. He's not he. It's not like he's the company founder, and these people signed up to work for him. Like, oh my gosh, our CEO, he's 23 years old. He's a genius. I'm going to go work for him. And no, these are people who are like, okay, I'm like an employee at a company and now my boss is 15, 20 years younger than me. And by the way, he doesn't really know anything. He just sort of thinks, yeah, he just kind of thinks he knows stuff. Um, You know, I I think this is a really tough situation. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, but the fact is, like, there's kind of two ways to to address this. The one that jumps out to me first, I feel like he's, this is his job. Like, it doesn't matter how old he is. And whether you, he he says that he, because there were no suitable candidates, he got the job by default. Maybe he's one of these uh, people who gives himself not enough, it doesn't give himself enough credit. Maybe it was by default, but maybe he was qualified for it. You know, maybe he's really good. Maybe he really knows what he's doing and he has the most experience in the company and how things work. And maybe he deserves the job. Maybe it's not just by default. Maybe he should be the lead lead developer. And maybe he can meet that challenge as a developer. And I I feel like the people uh, that are giving him a hard time about it, or obviously it sounds like people are like ignoring this. He's like saying, please do it this way. And people are like, yeah, okay, I'm doing it my own way. Uh, that probably they would never do if if the person who was their boss was their age or older. Well, uh, that's that's the the wrinkle to this is because I'm coming at this from the outside. Um, I, what I hear the listen, listener Jeremy King Jeremy the Wicked saying is that he sounds like he feels pretty. Not confident. That's absolutely the wrong word. He feels pretty sure that it's because of his age and experience. Right. Um, and I think just as a thought experiment, like how – what have you done to make sure that that's the case? Because then – you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. is, is that something that the listener is assuming or has he been told by the guy that he gave the direct order to that he's not going to follow it because of his age? Because that might – might be a dead end. The I mean, here's the I mean, if we go back to first principles, Clarice, um, <laughs> why aren't I mean, let's just go all the way through the stack? Do people not know that it's your job to manage the team? Right. Like, what's the awareness of that? Well, I mean, chances are they know that at least in some meeting at some point they said, "Hey, yeah, you got to listen to Jeremy. Like, he's he's uh, the guy for this." So, I mean, like, I, but I, I always feel like when you get into these kinds of things, it. It doesn't hurt to to treat yourself like a dummy and go through all the different angles. And there's a lot of there are a lot of angles, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, like a lot of what have you. <laughs> okay, so let's set aside for a moment that we're sure that it's because of your age and experience. Um, why? Let's ask a different and more salient question, which is why aren't people doing the things that you tell them to do? Because if we pose it that way, we have a whole bunch of different angles. I mean, on the on the one end of this, we've got well, maybe they misunderstood, maybe they disagree, Brian. Maybe they don't like you. Maybe they've got a better way. Maybe they don't think they have to listen to you because there's no consequences of not listening to you. There's all kinds of ways where, like, so, like, but the thing is, what you really want? Do you want to be respected, or do you want people to do their job? 
because there are ways that I've certainly worked for a lot of people where I did exactly what they told, told me to do, even though I didn't have much respect for them because you had to do that for the job. So there's something, I, it could very well be the age thing. I would not, I, you know, when you come back around to that, I would not rule that out. Do, do you follow where I'm yeah, going with this? Yeah, I think so. Well, and just in terms of troubleshooting, it's like, what is, like, let's reframe the problem. You will have solved this problem when what is different. So you play King Jeremy for a minute here. Okay. When this problem is solved in however many days, weeks, months, you will know the problem is solved because what's different? What would, what would it, even an outsider be able to look at and see is different? Is it that the projects are going more smoothly? Is it that people are scared of you? Is it that people are, are listening to you? Is it that people, you know, what? I feel, what, I feel what, if, if, I'm, if I'm putting myself in, in King Jeremy's position, it seems like, you know, he, he feels like he's, um, not getting, not, not getting respect that the position should carry with it. And I think if, if you were to evaluate that and if it was solved, it would be that when he said, okay, here, here, Hey guys, here's how we should do this, that the people come away and say, okay, you're the boss. That's fine. We'll do it that way. Like you would do if your boss told you to do something a certain way. And how would the nature or quality of the work product be different when that's the case? Good question. Uh, uh, Jeremy would say, um, because it, it will adhere to the the standards that we have set, that were set even before I got here, that the previous guy who left had helped put in place, and uh, and that in, is how we assure quality. So mm-hmm. quality product would be made. These are all questions worth asking. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, because what I hear, and this is this is not a, a criticism. I I get this, King Jeremy, like so much. I know this feeling, um, but a lot, um, perhaps understandably, a lot of the way the listener has framed this is based on how he feels about it. And you know us, we're always yep. going to talk about you know Feelings. being aware of what the feeling is. Yep. Like first, realize what the feeling is. Let's let's cut down to uh, jump down to late in bullet two because this is a great sentence. Um, I find it hard to do this in a way that doesn't leave me staring at my Slack window thinking I feel like a bit of a dick for doing this. And it feels like there's some secret method of super positive constructive criticism that I'm not tuned into yet. Well, believe me, that is a very normal thing to feel. Why do you feel like a bit of a dick? Um, let's, now let's go to an extreme example. An extreme example is uh, somebody keeps setting fires in a wastebasket in the bathroom. And you know who it is because you've told them like 10 times you've got to stop setting fires in, in the waste paper basket. If you had to deal with that person, you perhaps – you would not only not feel like a jerk, um, but you would understand that it's imperative. That this is not really – this is not a question of like <laughs> – I mean you, you could say it's a question of them being insubordinate or being careless, but really they're dangerous. They're dangerous to the team. If you had a, if you had a, if you knew to a certainty that somebody was doing something that was actually dangerous to the team, right? Would would you feel differently? Right? Would you be just as worried about how you felt about it? Would you be just as worried about how you looked to these people if you were doing something that you knew in your heart had to be done for the safety and health of the office? Right. Admittedly, right. a very extreme example. Is there a chance that you don't really believe yourself? Is there a chance that you think these policies are arbitrary or trivial, right? It sounds like King Jeremy lacks a little bit of confidence in terms of being able to say, you need to do this. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, you know, I think I think he's feeling he's feeling guilty or he's feeling bad or something, right? I mean, well, I mean, and here's the thing. I mean, this is a very um I don't say childish, but kind of like a, a young person's thing that I still suffer from in a lot of ways. The truth is, you know what you want? You want that old computer programmer guy to think you're really cool and respect you and like you and think you're smart. Right. So your lizard brain says, well, I can't say anything to this person that's going to challenge them because that gets me further away from them liking me. And that's a very understandable lizard brain thing. Right. In terms of like c- cutting to the chase just a little bit, uh, I don't think it's at all out of order for you to, to go and talk to that person and say, hey – uh, I ask you to do this thing, and I feel like I was pretty clear about that this is a thing that we need to do, and you didn't do it. Can we talk about why that is? And let that person have an opportunity. And really, really, and I wouldn't even cue them. I would not cue them with the six reasons it could be, like we've just offered to you, King Jeremy. Right. I would say, uh, you didn't do this thing, and I ask you to do it. Why? Why is that? And at this point, I would be listening for, uh, I'm not going to do what you tell me. I have a better way to do it. You're wasting my time, kid. Like, I don't know what that answer is, but sometimes you do need to get the respect of people and by extension to get them to follow your lead, you do have to be a leader. And to be a leader, you can't be afraid of your employees. So, you know, I would not do this in front of the whole group or whatever, but if there's one or two people, there's usually an 80, 20 to almost everything. Mm-hmm. If there's, well, you're, we're, you're probably really talking about one to three people that are causing an outsized problem for you. Well, first of all, realize, is it your problem? Is it their problem? But I don't know. You tell me my, my feeling would be go to that developer and say, um, and you don't even have to say it. It doesn't need to be framed as you, um, defied me. It's more like, you know, I asked you to do that and, and you didn't do that. Why is that? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember uh, I got a job where I was brought in as more or less the CTO, but that was fancy title. I was really just sort of, I am maybe like a, a at best a manager. Um, and this was at that Rails hosting company, <clears throat> and there was a guy that there were there was a couple guys, two or maybe even three guys that worked there already that I was put in charge of. Mm-hmm. And two of the guys, they were primarily like support guys. They were a bit younger and they, uh, they knew me from the rails community. So when I came on board, they're like, Oh, Dan's really cool. It's like great to have him. Uh, and, and they were happy to have me as a, a you know, as their boss. Uh, but the other guy, he was older than me and, uh, further along in life as well. And he, uh, he didn't really like the fact that he all of a sudden, that there was this new guy in between him and the owner of the company. Sure. Um, he, he was very clear. He sort of resented that because he and the owner were, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't say they were friends, friends, but they were, you know, they'd worked together for a while. And now all of a sudden I was like inserted in between him and, and that guy. So, and that guy right. was specifically like, you're the boss of these guys. Now I'm hiring you. So I don't have to talk to them on a daily basis about, you know, the nitty gritty of stuff. Like I want, I want you to handle all of that. And he wanted to work on other things for the company. And so he hired me to do that part of the job that he had been doing for years. And this guy, you know, for whatever reason, he didn't, he didn't like that. And one of the things that, you know, when I met with the, each of the guys individually, um, you know, after being there for about a month and seeing that this guy, didn't he just didn't seem to do a lot of work he didn't want to do the work he was sort of disgruntled and unhappy and just didn't didn't really 
do a good job. And, and I started to notice that consistently he would let the ball drop and, and things would go wrong. And, uh, and the, the other two guys were cleaning up for it. And this was something that had been going on apparently for a long time. I found out when I was meeting with them and after a, a little while, I would, I found I would just ask him to do something. He would flat out just not do it or do it when he mm-hmm. felt like doing it. And that, <sighs> you know, that didn't work because at this time, this was very difficult to like get, rails applications deployed into production and like supporting them there was lots of things that could go wrong and um and so like if if someone needed help or needed to upgrade or because of an emergency like and he what didn't feel like doing it and just wouldn't do it like that's bad for the customer too it wasn't just internal stuff and so it puts, puts a lot of pressure on you. Right. And the pressure was on me because like at the end of the day, I was responsible for that stuff. And I was the one that was dealing with the owner of the company and the customer. And so like, if it wasn't there, it didn't matter if the guy didn't do it. It was my fault still. And so like, eventually we had to like fire him. Um, mm-hmm. And, and like the one thing I would say to Jeremy is like, this is your job. I don't know if you're, if they report to you or if you're their boss or what, but I mean, I, I think it would be reasonable to do first what you said, Merlin, which is, you know, talk to him and say, hey, man, like I asked you to do this thing. You didn't do it. Like, OK, what's going on? And and that'll be his opportunity to say, I disagreed with your line of thinking based on my experience. Oh, OK, well, let's talk about that. Maybe I can learn something here. Maybe I can learn from your experience. What? Do you, wh- why didn't you want to do that? And also next time I would like to hear that. So please come and talk to me about it before you just do a different thing. Like I need to know because I'm responsible for it. And, and the other thing that he could do if that doesn't work or if, if he gets a lot of pushback from it is like find out if he's really their boss uh, or not by asking the person that he reports to. And if he is, he can say, listen, I, I'm giving you a warning. You need to do the things that I say uh, because I'm your boss. And if, right. if you don't like that, you know, I'm sorry. Um, but right now, this is your job and I'm your boss. And let's get along because we've got stuff to do. We've got work to do. Right. And I, I keep, I know there's, there's a lot of um, important and useful distinctions to make between what we mean by manager, right. leader, you know, uh, project lead, project manager. Like those, those all can and do mean different things. But. I mean, yeah, it's worth checking that out with your boss, but like at the same time, do you want to go to your boss and say like, I'm, I'm this guy's boss, right? He's got to do what I say, right? Right. Like I would be somewhat careful about that. I would consider leading by leading title, which is like, <laughs> I mean that in two slightly different ways. I would, I would mean, I would, I'm saying here that perhaps you, what, what, what would you do if you were advising you? What would you say to do? And, you know, leadership in that way means, you know, going in, identifying what the problem is and developing a plan for fixing it. So like, I don't, given this, these personalities you're describing, I'm not sure going to your boss about this. If you haven't, if if you haven't resolved this, tried to resolve it on your own yet. Um, What you want to get to is a resolution of this problem or an amelioration. You may not be able to fix this problem or make it go away, but be honest with yourself about like, what's a reasonable thing to expect in terms of fixing this? You don't have to overthink it. But like, if you do end up having to go to your boss, when you do, be prepared to go to your boss with a plan, not a request. Because if you're making a request, then you're not really leading. Right. right. The leading in this case is the reason you get the big bucks in this case or whatever is that you are expected to take care of those problems. So if you do end up needing to escalate this to your boss, it better be, I think, with a with a, 
a way to improve the situation. Like, was this not clear? Is this guy just a bad seed? Right. Um, but there's another aspect of this. I feel like you kind of, that's like, that's hiding in the bushes a little bit, which is that I, at least with a lot of the developers and tech types that I've worked with, there's a built in suspicion about managers and about people who become managers. And there's a reason that a lot of developers would prefer to like, if possible, have a, you know, they want to get the raises, they want to get the bonuses, they want to keep moving up, but they'd like to remain a practitioner because they don't want to become that thing. They don't want to become a manager. So I think there is sometimes, I mean, this, it might be that you're like, you know, coming up three cherries on this guy's machine because you're like, you're a young, young person with less experience who is, being presumptive enough to like want to go lead this this uh you know cowboy over here who knows everything and at that point i think you have to ask yourself how do you feel about being a manager like do you think what you do is valuable because again if it is valuable then you need to do it right if if you know and and i I think i don't know how you you don't need to actually like say this but like you need managers you need people who are coordinating you need people that are making sure that this implementation is going the way that your boss thinks that it should go. So, you know, be prepared to like ask yourself how you feel about that. Like, um, cause you're a programmer, like you're a developer, you probably have that same natural suspicion about management and maybe that's making you a little bit gun shy. But if you do think that management is important, then it's not a far leap to say that if you think management is important, you can also probably accede to the fact that leadership is important. And what would a leader do in that case? Like what would if you were advising somebody who was coming to you with that problem, what would you say? And it, it probably goes down, comes down to on some level, like trying to be kind of no BS about it, and like going to the person and like trying to identify what went wrong, you know. And don't make it a trick, don't make it a mind game, but just go to them. I mean, like I said, I mean, I don't know another way other than going to them and saying, you know, I mean, you could go and say stuff like, I feel like I'm getting some attitude from you and I don't understand it. Eh, that's making it about emotions. In this case, it's a question of like. You know, we, you like whether it's a. Did you see the latest Silicon Valley Sunday nights episode? No, no, I'm, I have not. I've fallen off the uh, the bandwagon on that show. Richard is suffering because they've done this acquisition, this hasty acquisition, and now they have two companies. In addition to the Pied Piper people, now there's these two other companies. There's what is it called? Uh, Slice Line, the pizza delivery by drone service, and this emoji company, and. At first, Richard thinks he can just get out of it because he's like, oh, these cultures are really different. Right. So let's give this part of the project to this group and this part to that group. And that way I'll never have to talk to anybody about it. I'm sorry that I'm using Silicon Valley as an example. No, I, I, but, I think it's appropriate. But the, you know, then the chuckle comes when you learn that these, this group has been encoding time in milliseconds and this team has been encoding time in nanoseconds. Right. And each side thinks the others are idiots and why can't we have our coffee? And I used to be allowed to bring my dog. And now it's gotten so much worse and Richard has to insert himself, but now he has no credibility. So, you know, that's, that's, I think about, I mean, I'm not a developer, but like I think in a case like that, well, you know, these coding standards are not just like picking out what color of paneling you want. If there's a reason that, that you, if you believe that this work needs to be done a certain way to a certain level of quality by a certain time, then you shouldn't ideally t- tell yourself, give yourself a pep talk. You shouldn't feel bad about going and talking to somebody privately about why that's not the case. Right. Now, now if this person is like a, a homemade asshole with you, I think you are in a position to say, at that point, you might want to go to your boss and other boss and talk about it. But just remember that your boss hired you to be a leader and a manager. And so frame your 
follow-up to whatever you're going to do next in terms of showing leadership and management. Um, it's not, I was almost going to say like, you don't want to show weakness. It's not precisely that, but it's like your boss didn't hire you to have more problems to take care of. Yeah. Um, but you know, but give that person an opportunity and, and, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but you're going to have to do that eventually better to do it before it becomes emotional. Keep it about the work. I ask you to do the work. You didn't do the work. Let's talk about why that That's is. That's a great thing. Keeping it non-emotional is, is critical. And that's it's hard not that's to. That's important. Because again, the feeling I get from King Jeremy the Wicked is that this starts from a place of emotional, like what? Insecurity, lack of confidence. You know, so it does also maybe. Well, who, who, what 23 year old isn't insecure and lacks confidence, no, no, right? No, no, you know, I, 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 all I'm trying to say <laughs> is though, I mean, I don't have a Tim Ferriss tear off calendar idea of how to fix this problem. <laughs> right. I think you have to, but you do have to like a, a kind of step zero is looking at why this is a problem for you right now. And I'm, I'm seeing a lot of emotion come through in this, which is cool because you're talking to your good friends from the internet. That's good that you're being honest with us. But don't, I would say, be circumspect about making this about emotions. Um, maybe even about making this about relationships because it's not about relationships. It's about the work and everything comes out of that. If we're not doing the work right, we're not doing our job. You see, Bob, a company is like a clock. <laughs> yeah. Anything else to add to that? Nothing else. You come on. You got to have more to add no, to that. It's enough. Give him a give him a life hack. Give him a tip. Well, I think you gave him a, the best tip that you, we could give him, which is you know tell the um, t- you know go to the guy and say like, hey, you know like this thing happened, and I'm I want to learn more about it, and that's an mm-hmm. opportunity for you to 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 clear things up. You know, I re- I've I've had bosses for the most part in my career who were who are my age or older. And it's it, for whatever reason, at least when we were coming up, I, I mean, maybe you'll agree with me, is that it it seemed easier to follow instructions from someone who felt more like a parent than from someone who felt more like your younger cousin and or your mm-hmm. nephew or niece or something, you know, like yeah. like I think there's maybe maybe it's our culture, or our society or we're programmed to do it. Or, our family based paradigm. For right. How we deal with each other. Right. Yeah. It's like if someone older says, please do this, you're more inclined to do it than if if somebody who's like 20 years younger than you says, can you please do it? But I have been in a situation where I did have a boss who was younger than me and I respected that person. And when they said, you know, it was, it was not a, a boss as much as it was a project lead for an extended project. Mm-hmm. And they would say, you know, do this. I'm like, sure. I mean, like they were my point person. So like not doing that, I think shows a degree of emotional immaturity on the other person. And I mean, I think that guy is the one who's the dick for, oh, yeah, for not, but just, how do you say that? It's also interesting to think about the person who left, uh, approximately six months ago, which he describes here. If we go back here, it's somebody who was with the company from its infancy, um, it sounds like somebody that was probably really respected. So, you know, give yourself a break. You've got big shoes to fill, but maybe also ask yourself if you can, like, what did that change mean to somebody like old developer? Person? Right. Right. Cause maybe it's not really exactly about you. It's about that person leaving. I don't know. I do. I feel like there are a lot of angles, you know, yes. to, to, to look at. And like I said, I mean, this is the, the dumb piece of advice you end up always giving, but like, what would you advise yourself? If somebody who was working for you came to you with this problem, what would you tell them to do? Right. If it was somebody you liked and trusted, whose welfare you cared about, what would you advise them to do? And I mean, being, being direct and unemotional seems like a way to start. Direct and unemotional. 
And I would encourage if the listener is still listening, hello, um, please uh, follow up with us. If you have yeah. more questions about this or clarifications, please do that. But also please let us know. Jeremy, get goes. in there and, and crack some skulls. Crack some skulls, King Jeremy. King Jeremy, wicked. <laughs> Lemon yellow sun. <laughs> Trader Joe's. Um, we helped a lot of people this week, Dan. A lot of people. So we were just talking about the uh, podcast called Back to Work, which is available at uh, 5x5.tv. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Wrapped it up. We did it. Another, okay, let's button this up. Done. Love you, Merlin, All man. Right. I love you, love you, love you. What? What? <laughs> Ding dong.